We're going to continue in this new sermon series, The Way of Christ, and today we're going to talk about obedience. I actually looked back uh, through all of my sermons and Bible studies for 20 plus years, and I couldn't find one only on obedience. Never found one. There's obedience mentioned and obeying in all kinds of different messages, but not one dedicated entirely to it. And Well, here we are. I think it's important. It's something that God's called us to, and so we're going to look at it. I want to start, if you will, in Deuteronomy. So if you'll take the Bible and open it, you can take the one in front of you if you want to follow along. We're going to look in Deuteronomy 27, 28, and 30. So we're just going to kind of progress through just a couple of verses in each chapter. Um, If you don't have a Bible... That Bible in the pew in front of you is a gift from us to you that you may study the Word of God not only when you're at the house of the Lord, but day in and day out. It will nourish you. It will give you direction and encouragement. And so if you don't have one, please take that one with you. Deuteronomy 27, we're going to begin in verse 9. And like I said, keep it open because we're going to flip from chapter to chapter. Just a few verses in each chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 9. Then Moses and the Levitical priests spoke to all Israel, saying, Be silent and listen, O Israel. This day you have become a people for the Lord your God. You shall therefore obey the Lord your God and do his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. Now let's move on to chapter 28, verses 1 and 2. Just a little bit further ahead. Chapter 28, 1 and 2. Now it shall be, if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Turn the chapter, if you will, to chapter 30, Deuteronomy 30. And we're going to look at two verses there, verses 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So... A couple of weeks ago, I read Deuteronomy 28 to you in a different sermon series. We're talking about there is more. Remember, we talked about that whatever you need, there's more than enough for that. Whatever you don't have, there's more in Christ for that. If you've not been saved, there's more. You can be born again and know that you're a child of God. If you know that you've been born again, you can point to the day and time and you just know that God saved you. There's more for you because he wants to still sanctify you. And he wants to possess every part of your life where you hold back nothing. And so past, present, future, desires, comforts, pleasures, dreams, you give it all to him. And when you entirely consecrate it all to him, he will entirely sanctify it. Purify, fill, cleanse, empower transform but if you've been sanctified there's more because there's not one of us who's perfect and there's more that God's going to move us along in and so I read Deuteronomy 28 so you would see some of the more that God has promised but you remember even then I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that there was a condition for receiving the more and that was obedience and it was the obedience of faith not the obedience of perfection 
Oh man, I did everything to the, to the T. And everything, I crossed every T and I dotted every I and I was just perfect. Well, it's not that kind of obedience. The obedience of faith with a heart dedicated to God and saying, God, I'll do it if you'll help me with this. But we're going to talk about obedience today, and I want to be careful that you understand that it's not an obedience of legalism, and it's not an obedience of, I'm going to earn my salvation because you can't do that, and it won't matter if you try, you're just going to actually find yourself digging your hole deeper. I remember being in a couple friends of ours' house, may or may not have said something that was taken the wrong way, or dug a hole, and my friend said, Mike, you probably need to put the shovel down and stop digging, because I just kept digging it a little bit deeper and putting myself in more of a predicament the more that I talked. When you try to earn your salvation, when you try to show off your perfection of obedience, you're going to keep digging a hole, and we need to put the shovel down. This obedience is an obedience of faith that God does reward, and it's a beautiful thing. I want to put it in its right place. So, hear this. True story, Pierre Barlow was a gunner in the fort of mont Valerine during the Prussian siege of Paris. So Prussia, uh, as we've talked about in another example recently, Germany nowadays, they were sieging and invading uh, Paris. And one day, he was standing by his gun when his general, General Noel, the commander came up, leveled his glass out, looking upon where the enemies were stationed, and he said, Gunner, do you see the bridge over there? Yes, sir, I see that bridge. Do you see the shanty and the bushes just to the side of that bridge? And Pierre, starting to turn pale, said, Yes, I see it, sir. He said, There's a nest of Prussians right there in that home. Put your shell in it, my man, and put them to flight. Pierre turned paler still. He sighted his piece deliberately, carefully. He aimed and he fired. His general said, well hit, my man, well hit. But he looked at Pierre and was surprised when down Pierre's cheek was running a tear. And he said, what is it? What is the matter? We've put the enemy to flight. And he said, well, sir, that was my home, and everything that I own was in that home. We talked last week about sacrifice and self-denial, and that the way of Christ is the way of sacrifice. We cannot Walk like Jesus if we're constantly just doing what I want, what I desire, and what makes me happy. We've got to sacrifice. And in order to walk in the way of Christ, our sacrifice will come in the way of obedience. And like Pierre, who blew up his own home in order to defeat the enemy, his was a sacrifice of obedience to his general. Another story Another true story, it was a missions director who met with the mother of one of the agency's missionaries. This mother actually had two children who were missionaries overseas. One of them was in China and one of them in Sudan. As she was meeting with the director of this mission program, she was explaining how great her loss and her grief that her children were scattered around the world only to be seen every now and again on furlough. And this was a time when they didn't have cell phones and and FaceTime and all that. So it was a more difficult time. There was more space and more time spread between them. The missions director said he left her house with this deep, appreciation for what the families of missionaries go through when they send their children off to serve Christ in another land. 
A few months later, the missions director got word that a missionary in Sudan had been killed. And it was indeed that lady's son. Feeling he should be the one to break the news to her because he knew her and had already had this conversation and knew her sacrifice and her sorrow, she, he went and he said to her what had happened and the mother looked down and he said this, in a moment of composure, in between her tears, she said, Sir, I would rather have my son die in the middle of Sudan alone than to have him here with me disobeying God's will. So we have sacrifice and self-denial. We have obedience as the way of Christ. Jeremiah chapter 7 says this, But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you will be my people, and you will walk in all the way which I command you, that it may be well with you. Verse 24 is really hard to hear. We like the, verse, the first one, 23 of chapter 7, because, hey, it'll be well with you if you obey. 24 says, Yet they did not obey, they did not incline their ear, but they walked in their own counsels, and in the stubbornness of their evil heart, they went backward and not forward. Dear Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear today the call to obedience. Empowered by your Spirit, offered in thanks and gratitude for what you have done. Obeying, Lord, when we don't understand and obeying, Lord, when it costs us dearly. May it be for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First point of the message today is that we are to obey. And in order to obey, it means coming under authority regardless of the cost or the consequence. Because there is going to be a heavenly reward. Right. So we come under authority Regardless of the cost or consequence, because there's going to be a heavenly reward. Now, here's the hard part of obedience. It's something that our children go through when they're trying to learn how to obey in a, in a way that is honoring and respectful to their parents. It's a, what Jesus went through when it says that, that Jesus, even in his um, obedience, in, in his suffering, he learned to obey and bring honor and glory to his Father. Here's what we have to do. We have to place our objections, our differences, our wisdom, our knowledge, our preferences, our likes, and our dislikes under the authority of whom we obey. Did you know that <clears throat> probably one of the only parts that I get regular objections to when we talk about marriage vows is the part that says to obey? And they say, I don't want to say that part. And then we talk about why and what does it mean and why have we said it in the past? And why does the church think that that's important? Because obedience, that's, I mean, that sounds like subservience. It sounds like a different day. We're smarter than that, and we're more about collaboration and not obedience. And I actually was uh, listening to a radio program not long ago, and they were talking about a new parenting technique where instead of parents parenting and giving direction, they said, Everything's negotiable. Let's sit our children down at the table and find out what they want, and we'll tell them what we want, and we'll find a way for our wants to work together. Have you ever tried that with a two-year-old? <laughs> yeah, that works great in theory. Oh. 
Not so much in real life. The way of Christ is complete obedience to the Father in all things. That's what Jesus did. Obeyed the Father in all things at all times by the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit for the Father's glory regardless of the personal cost or the temporal consequences. Regardless of the personal cost or the temporal consequences, you obey the Father's will. Joshua 1.7, God is commanding Joshua, who's now taking over leadership of the Israelites from Moses, who has passed on, and he says to him, only be strong and very courageous, be careful to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. If we don't obey, we won't have success. If we do obey, there is this guarantee, actually, that God will bring to pass His glory, His goodness, His plan, His reward, His blessing. But if we don't, then we know the opposite to be true. So in the book of Acts, this was when the early church was going around preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus, which they had just killed Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead, and this became a black eye. Um, on the image of the people who had done this, those who leaders and authorities, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law, even the Romans, it became a black eye. They kind of wanted to forget it because there's a bunch of people saying this guy rose from the dead and other people saying he didn't do anything wrong and you killed him. They just wanted it to be gone. But here this group of disciples are going around saying, you killed him, but God raised him from the dead and they tried to get him to shut up. They tried to get him to be quiet. They put him in jail, they flogged them. Finally, they brought him before and said, Look, we will let you go, but you've got to stop preaching in this name. You've got to stop talking about Jesus. And so they did it anyway. Then they brought them before them, Acts chapter 5, brought them before them, and they stood before the, the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. He's still trying to say he had nothing to do with it. They're still trying to say, that wasn't us, because it was shame and guilt that they were experiencing. This is what they said. Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you put to death by hanging him on the cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as prince and savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. We have to obey God rather than men. John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son, this is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. We've got to obey regardless of the temporary cost or consequence because there is an eternal reward, an eternal blessing, an eternal thing that God is doing in us. I have to say I wasn't alive when this particular illustration takes place, <clears throat> but Roger Staubach led the Dallas Cowboys to Super Bowl victory in 1971. I wasn't alive then. Some of you might have been. But he admitted that his position as quarterback who couldn't call his own calls was a source of trial and misery for him. He didn't get to call his own calls. Coach Landry sent in every play. He told Roger when to pass, when to run, and only in emergency situations 
could Roger Staubach change the play? Because the coach called the shots, and he had to obey. Roger actually considered Coach Landry to have, quote-unquote, a genius mind when it came to football strategy, but he said he wanted to be able to run his own team. Staubach said this, he said, when I faced up to the issue of obedience, quote-unquote, when I faced up to the issue of obedience, once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. And we know that Roger Staubach has been honored in so many ways for all of his accomplishments and all of his, uh, his, his giftedness and talent at the game, but he said until he learned obedience, there was not victory. And that is true for us today. We can't count the cost temporally. We can't count the, the, the consequence temporally. We just have to obey. I had the conversation this week as a father. You don't have to understand why I say it. You don't have to like that I'm saying it. You have to obey. Father says that to us. Have you ever thought about Noah? And the fact that his obedience might have cost him a little something. There was a lot of temporary cost of ridicule and mockery because he didn't take him a year or two years to build the boat. This is a hundred years and he is not next to a major body of water, a lake or, or, or a river. He's not next to a bay or an ocean. He's, he's inland, right? So if anything, it's just some creeks and some springs. And he's building this massive boat. And, and by the way, as far as we know... It seemed like it doesn't rain much there these days. Scripture would lead us to understand. And for a hundred years, he's building a boat. Can you imagine the mockery? Imagine people saying, what a fool you are. What is your problem? You're wasting your time. You're wasting your life. What is the deal with this? But he kept going on because he knew he had to obey. We have to obey the Lord if we want to walk in the way of Jesus. Point number two, we obey because we love. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. My favorite movie, I guess of all time, The Princess Bride. I've probably watched it 50 times. It's ridiculous how many times. But there is a part of the movie where <clears throat> there is a farm boy who falls in love with this girl, this princess, later on to become. And this is the interaction that takes place. It says in the story, nothing gave Buttercup, the princess, as much pleasure as ordering Wesley around. And she would say, farm boy, polish my horse's saddle. I want to see my face shining in it by morning. And he would say, as you wish. A few of you know it. Okay. He would say, as you wish. As you wish is all he ever said to her. Buttercup said, farm boy, fill these with water, please, as you wish. That day, she was amazed to discover that when he was saying, as you wish, what he meant was, I love you. Buttercup said, farm boy, fetch me that pitcher. And Wesley says, as you wish. We obey because we love. We love to obey. We love to honor. We love to demonstrate our um, adoration and our thankfulness and our praise and our endearment and our affection. And we obey because we love. And so we say to the Lord, as you wish, I love you. Deuteronomy 11.1 1 says, love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, and his commandments always. In a world that thinks that 
Obedience is all about the rule of power. God is turning it all upside down and saying obedience is all about the service of love. So, point number three, we obey because we trust God. We trust His heart. We trust His perfect knowledge. So Deuteronomy 9.23 says, When the Lord sent you out, He said, Go up, take possession of the land I have given you. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord. You did not trust Him or obey Him. There's a linking between trusting and obedience. Have you ever done the trust fall? You fall backwards and somebody catches you. Have you ever dropped somebody when you were trying to do the trust fall? They won't ever do it again. (laughs) For some reason, I'll get it the next time. But God never drops us. When we, when we trust him, when we fall back into his arms, right? We trust him completely, and that's why we obey. And this is a true story, and it was a, about a young boy. He was actually two years old. Old enough to talk, old enough to walk, but certainly not old enough to handle leukemia and what the treatment of leukemia would be like. And he had to have a spinal tap. They brought him in for the spinal tap, and they needed to explain to him ahead of time that it was going to hurt, but he didn't need to fight the doctor. He didn't need to kick and scream. He needed to obey the doctor in spite of the hurting because the hurting would be for his healing. They said that he went through the spinal tap, and even with all of the efforts that they made at making it as painless as possible, he cried a lot. But when he was done, they said he looked up at the doctor and he said, Dr. Tuman, Dr. Truman, Dr. Tuman, thank you for my hurting. In his two-year-old mind, he understood that his hurting was for healing and therefore he obeyed because he trusted his parents. He trusted the doctor that what was taking place was for his good. We, tr- we obey God because we trust Him. Isaiah 50, verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of His servant? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. I trust God when I cannot see where I'm going. I trust God when I can't understand what his plan is. I trust God when it seems like he might be making a mistake. I know that he is perfect in wisdom. He is perfect in his motivation and his love. And his heart is to bring me good in all things. So we trust, and because we trust, we obey. Number four, simple obedience is far better than a concerted effort at piety. In the Old Testament, King Saul decided that he was going to impress God with how religious he was. How great a job he could do at being obedient. Remember I said at the beginning, this obedience we're talking about is not the perfection of performance. So Saul got in his mind that after they defeated their enemy, that God had instructed them, hey, you're going to go out to battle, you're going to defeat them, destroy everything, all the people, all the artifacts, all the livestock, all the everything, destroy it all. But Saul said, no, I'm going to keep some because I'm going to show God how good I am at religion, at honoring him and making a sacrifice. And in 1 Samuel 15, 22, 
the prophet Samuel, directed of the Lord, came to Saul to correct him and say, What have you done that you did not obey the Lord and you left these animals alive in order that you would make a sacrifice? 1 Samuel 15.22 Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed the Lord is better than the fat of rams. Our simple obedience is better than our concerted efforts at showing God how holy we are. Yes, Lord, I will follow. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how well I'll do it, but I will follow, and I will obey, Lord, and I know you will help me. And if you say, don't touch, I won't touch. If you say, don't eat, I won't eat. Because I want to honor you with my obedience. Point number five, final point. We must imitate Jesus and obey the Father in all things in spite of our lack of understanding. Think about this. The way of Christ is obedience to the Lord even when we don't know why He commanded it, how it will be done, what the outcome will be, or what else may occur along the way. My mom and I had a few conversations during my growing up years about my obedience how quick it would be or how slow it would be. And she said, Mike, when I say jump, you better be in the air before you ask how high. Some of you have said that to your kids. And I wanted to sit there and explain to her why we needed to have a conversation about me understanding why she would tell me that. I've had the similar conversations with my kids. And say, if you're going to wait around for me to explain why I said move, You may die when the Mack truck hits you. (laughs) Instead of moving and then saying, now why was that again? Obedience first. Wait for the Lord to demonstrate later why we can obey without knowing what he's up to. The way of Christ is relying on the Father's perfect understanding of all things. Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? In other words, if you obey the ways of the world... The world is now your master. If you obey selfishness, selfishness is now your master. If you obey pride, pride is your master. But if you obey Christ, then he becomes your master. And you will be able to result in righteousness in him. A father and son arrived in a small western town. I don't know if it's true. It sounds more like a parable. Put it that way. Arrived in a small western town looking for an uncle that they'd not met before. They were traveling, and they said, let's go find him. We haven't met him. Matter of fact, didn't even have a picture of him. But they knew he lived in that town. And as they arrived in town, they looked up, and the boy and his father were walking across the street, and he said, oh, there he is. And the boy looked at him, and he said, Dad, how in the world do you know that that's him? And he said, because he walks exactly like Grandpa. And what a parable that is for us. That people ought to be able to see that we are children of God, brothers and sisters of Jesus himself, because we walk like God. And when people see that, they say, oh, they obey, they walk like God, and now I see. I want to give you an application in closing, some examples of obedience that are going to be very hard. 
but God doesn't command anything that he doesn't empower us to do. been reading the story of, of a nun who practiced obedience in the face of suffering. Um, she suffered a lot, but she obeyed the Lord. When you know Scripture says don't grumble or complain, it does say that more than once. And she wouldn't grumble. She wouldn't complain, no matter how great her suffering to the point that even her doctor, as he was treating her, commented about the fact that if anyone else could understand the suffering she was going through, and yet the peaceful way that she walked through it, they would be amazed at her choosing to not grumble and complain. Let me give you just a handful of things. Did you know in Scripture, you and I have been commanded of the Lord to be thankful in all circumstances? It's not, it's not just a fortune cookie. It's not just a suggestion, hey, if you feel like it today, be thankful. We are commanded of the Lord, be thankful in all circumstances. And so, I've been trying to follow the example of Scripture, and even of this lady and some others that I've read, that when suffering comes, we say, thank you, Lord, that you are here with me in the middle of this difficulty. Thank you, Lord, that you entrust this difficulty into my life so that I could become more like you. Thank you, Lord, that you've entrusted this difficulty into my life so that I could learn what it is to suffer without grumbling or complaining or accusing you of wrongdoing. We've been commanded of the Lord to be thankful in all circumstances. We've been commanded of the Lord to love our enemy, not to think about it, not to like the idea of loving our enemy, but to actually love our enemy. And so, I was struck by the fact that in this biography, and I shared it Wednesday night, this one particular lady would go out of her way to find people that she didn't like and go out of her way to befriend them and to show kindnesses to them and not to ever let them know that there was any kind of a Oh, you know, by nature, we might not hang out together, but by grace, by the Spirit of God, we can be brothers and sisters in close fellowship. And she would get to such a point where she would love being with that person that previously might have grated on her nerves. We've been commanded of the Lord to deny ourselves and to make a sacrifice. Talked about that last week. We've been commanded of the Lord to treasure the Word of God. Not because we feel like it, on any given day. Not because every time we open it, we have a revelation with divine glory and a spotlight from heaven, but because we obey through faith and God makes it come to life. We've been commanded of the Lord to not give up meeting together. Let me close with this idea. A businessman was meeting with Mark Twain, actually. The businessman said, before I die, I mean to make a pilgrimage. I'm going to. I'm going to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. I will climb Mount Sinai, and on Mount Sinai, I will read the Ten Commandments out loud. And Mark Twain, always quick with his words, said, I have a better idea. Why don't you stay in Boston and keep the Ten Commandments? So Richard Baxter said this. Listen very carefully to this beautiful poem. It's a prayer. Lord, it does not belong, or let me say again. Lord, it belongs not to my care whether I die or live. To love and serve thee is my share, and this thy grace must give. If life be long, I will be glad that I may long obey. If short, 
Yet why should I be sad to soar to endless day? Christ leads me through no darker rooms than he went through before. He that to God's kingdom comes must enter by this door. We have to learn the way of obedience. Lord, we thank you so much that you gave us this example of obedience, this command of obedience which leads to life and to blessing and to joy and to peace in your name. We thank you, Lord, that you empower us to obey. We thank you, Lord, that when obedience costs us, it costs us questioning, not understanding why. It costs us temporary pain and suffering. When obedience costs us the scorn of others, Lord, and the lack of acceptance of our fellow man, we will obey God rather than man. May this be so, Lord. That because you are our Father, we are your children. Because you are our Savior, and we are the redeemed, that we will obey you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oswald Chambers said, One step forward in obedience is worth ten years studying about it. So dearly beloved, May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May his power be upon you that you may obey him and honor him with your obedience. Walk with the Lord Jesus. You are dismissed.